Welcome to the Dauntless Grace Exchange. I'm Deidre. And I'm Megan. And Christmas is in just a couple of days, so we thought we would talk about some of those Advent adjectives that come along with Christmas, like hope and joy and peace and I feel like I'm missing one. There should be four, right? Or five? Light? <laughs> Light? That's not a positive. Wow. I feel really non-liturgical right now. Anyway. I didn't grow up in a liturgical church, so I know of Advent, and I've done some devotionals of Advent, but I don't know the four of them off the top of my head. I apologize. Well, I feel like all of those words, like, they, ha- they have this connotation of this silent night, this really peaceful, silent night where Jesus doesn't cry, and Mary is at rest, and all of the people gather, and there's this bright light, and everyone's hearts are full, and that is not really how Christmas tends to play out. I think in a lot of households today, I don't think that's how Christmas played out then either. Yeah. I think it's because we, we equate holiness with like a hush and a silence and a reverence yeah. because that's how church has become, mm-hmm. but that, that it could not have been the environment in the stable. <laughs> right. I don't even think any of the first century church looked like that when they were meeting in people's homes with kids running around and sharing bread and, you know, eating meals together. Um, I think that the word holiness has lost what it meant. Maybe it was just that finally God came to reintegrate everything that was broken. Mm. And the holiness and the reverence that came with that was with the earth responding to a release from the curse, like the promised one has come. And I don't think the earth responds quietly. No. And you know, Mary was yelling at Joseph because he didn't make a reservation and all of the animals were going crazy. What? (laughs) The little drummer boy showed up. (laughs) Well, we already know that the wise men did not come at that time, nope. uh, but we do know that there were some shepherds. We do know that the angels literally like burst out of the unseen realm into the seen realm. I don't even know if that was on purpose or not, or if they were all just crowding in and the veil split open, but that couldn't have been quiet. No. Well, we know there wasn't like quiet snow falling because first of all, it probably wasn't December. And second of all, does the it Middle was... East even get a lot of snowfall? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of videos and music videos <laughs> and montages that go along with Christmas music that is probably very, very, very unlike the first Christmas. So why don't we try to put it into this little quiet, hushed package? I do think some of it is setting aside like a reverence for like a lot of churches would have had Christmas Eve services where you're just being still and resting in the acknowledgement of this beautiful transformative thing that happened that altered the course of history. And like, it's okay to take moments to take a posture, to revere that and be in awe of that and be in wonder of it because we can't understand the incarnation. Um, I think that's a little different than how we celebrate as families. And that's where a lot of the baggage comes. Oh yeah. It's not so much how the church does it, although that probably paints a picture of what our family life should look like. But frankly, mine's better than a stall in a manger with no nurse attending Christmas morning. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, sure. If that's actually the standard, I think we're all doing better than that. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) I think it's more the commercialized Hallmark um, Christmas movie version of what we want it to be and expect it to be. Uh, That's really where a lot of baggage comes. Um, And it just heightens. It's not like, it's not like Christmas itself produces problems in our families. It just heightens the, the things that are wrong. Yeah. Well, 
right? Because it, there's a whole lot of expectation that's wrapped up in when you gather together that's not there maybe for a birthday party or maybe not there for an average Christmas a, or an average morning breakfast. <laughs> right, that kind of yeah. stuff. But all these expectations are just heightened and when things, well, and a lot of them are unspoken expectations from the kids about what they're getting, from the parents about what their kids are going to respond like yeah. when they get their presents from all of the extended family getting together, I think there's just a lot of expectations. Like, aren't we all going to stand around with a drink in our hand and flipping our hair as we laugh wildly at one another in our plaid sweaters? What? And isn't that what every family gathering looks like? I've never pictured that even once. What? That's what all the commercials look like in Hallmark movies. Like if everyone comes together and we're laughing about the cookies, I don't know what we're doing. What are we all laughing? And why is everyone talking at the same time on a commercial when it's in like slow oh. motion? Have you ever noticed that? No, but everybody's talking at the same time in real life too. Well, that's true. That is definitely true in our house. <laughs> It's just more obnoxious because it's not like background silence, like talking, not moving. It's actual talking over each other all the time to try to get the last word in. It's so true. That's exhausting to me. Well, okay. Esther Perel is a, 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 I don't know, what is she? She's a therapist, but she's kind of globally known for more than that. She works with bigger than just a private practice, although yeah. she also does that. And she said about the pandemic that it wasn't so much the pandemic that caused problems, right? But it was an accelerator. Mm. So things that were underlying issues accelerated to a point of crisis because yeah. of the proximity, the um, unknown, the um, uncertainty, all of these things, right? And so I think Christmas is kind of like that. Anything where we have like an expectation, it's an accelerator to all of the things that are kind of laying under the surface at other times. Sure. So I'm not sure the fight that happens is not a fight we wouldn't normally have. It's just accelerated by the expectation or right. whatever. The proximity, just the fact that the, the kids are at home the all the time. The sugar has got everyone crazy. Yeah, I, so I, I do believe that some of what we're talking about is not so much that we don't have hope in the promise one that's come or a sense of worship when we consider what this is all about. It's more wrapped up in all of the baggage of loss, loss of expectations, maybe real grief and sadness and heartache and addiction. I mean, there's so many things that are hard any day of the year, right. but when you accelerate it with that expectation of home and family and hearth and Christmas, it just is so much more pronounced of a loss or a hardship. What do we do with that though? Well, maybe this is the cynic part of me, but I would say lower your expectations or maybe have realistic expectations. Realistic. Like if your grandma is always going to say that thing, don't show up this Christmas thinking she's not going to say the thing. She's, For sure. She's still going to say the thing. She's going to be her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And or whoever, whoever it is, your aunt, your cousin, they're, they're so, they're always going to be them and that's not going to change. You're not going to show up. And also thinking you're always going to be you. Right. So you can anticipate the reaction that you know, you will have, and you could not have it. not have it or create an alternative response so that would help be helpful right yeah absolutely I don't know that the Christmas gathering is the time to start saying hey grandma I'm going to set this boundary and you should never say this to me again <laughs> right but worth noting you know for the future that maybe setting some boundaries for yourself around things that you know are already hard for you letting other people set some boundaries and mm -hmm. receiving those boundaries is a big thing um but more than that just like I think lower your expectations people are still gonna have people when they get together and nothing is Hallmark quality picture perfect. No. So even the best case scenario still has a lot of people and bodies or 
not. And the loneliness of that is real. And so how can we fill our hearts with other things? So maybe this is my Enneagram one speaking, but (laughs) to me, one of the best cures in my life in any situation, even non-Christmas related is to get to a place of worship. Yeah. That's always a perspective shift for me. It's always a mood changer. Like no matter where I'm at and I can even be mad through the whole first song and I can be angry, (laughs) angry singing, but there's something that happens when my, my gaze looks upon the Lord. And so for Christmas, for me, even there have been some seasons of real hard and real loss, um, whether that was financial or physical death. And I just remember putting on, like getting up early enough that the kids weren't bothering me and putting on worship music that wasn't like Christmas music, but like really talking about Emmanuel, God with us and thinking on what a beautiful gift that is. Why am I crying about this all the time? It's just so it's right there at the surface all the time for me because I'm so busy as a one. And I know not everyone is wired like this, that my thoughts are always going. So this morning when I woke up, I'm just immediately tasking through my list in my head until my body can start doing it. And then I'm still repeating it in my head to make sure I'm not, you know, and I'm just kind of in this weird, like thinking cycle. That's not very productive. And then I start feeling stressed and I'm not even dealing with an actual loss this year, but in seasons of that, then those things, those thoughts are overwhelming, overtaking. And for me, it's like just stepping outside of this commercialized Christmas and having my own little Christmas Eve church service by myself. It's helpful. It's, it, it makes me grateful for what he has done. And it really kind of like sets the tone that these other things are not important. And it's about the gift that he's given us. And we have eternity. And this, this time is so temporal and so fleeting. And we put so much at stake on any given day or opportunity or um, exchange with a friend, you know, or, or, or conflict with a child or a parent or a sibling or whatever. These, these are just these little moments that are so fleeting, but the eternal perspective is he came as God with us and turned back the curse like this. We have so much hope. We have so much to look forward to for eternity. Stepping off my soapbox now, <laughs> wiping just, away my tears. I get a little peachy and crying. Sorry. No, it's good. I just, I don't know where to go like to get off of that because my next thought was not quite as holy, but um <laughs> A few weeks ago, you were telling me about the Nagoski sisters, I think we were talking about on the podcast mm. um, in the book Burnout, Yeah, um, where they talk about actually needing an emotion to complete a cycle in order to move through it. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if Christmas isn't one of those times where all of a sudden you're confronted with emotion, you're confronted with loss and an empty seat at the table or with grief or with fear or with loneliness yeah. in a way that um, just makes it so much harder than another time of year, maybe. And instead of being able to just shove it aside, like all of a sudden you're faced with it. So I think it's important to study that. Can we embrace the emotion that we're experiencing and not call it bad, not call it um, sinful, not call it whatever, and let the emotion kind of cycle through us and embrace that while still clinging to the hope of Emmanuel. And so we go back to the first Christmas. That was such a paradoxical moment, mm-hmm. right? There, there was a tension of the manure and the smell and the um, discomfort and the pain, pain of labor <laughs> and the, the um, not knowing, you know, there, there's no way Mary knew what to expect. Even just as a new mom that was young, how do you know yeah. with a husband that you don't know and with no extended family around or support system, all of these unknowns. And yet on the other side, there's worship there's awe, there's wonder, mm-hmm. there's surrender, there's um, even provision. Somehow there was provision for everything they had need of. And so, so and, she, and it says that Mary pondered these things in her heart. And maybe 
the Hebrew culture understood pondering and not having to fix. Maybe they weren't so Americanized that they understood that you could hold tension of two things at once, right? right. Because if you could lean into the, that, then you didn't have to shut down the awe and wonder. Are you looking up Brene Brown's <laughs> Atlas of the Heart? Okay, I'm not even the one that first said her name. I'm well, okay, I did say it, but only because Megan is about to. So she's looking in Brene Brown's book. It Atlas might of the be Heart. trying to bring Brene into this, but um, cognitive dissonance. Well, I was looking at cognitive dissonance, which isn't quite the same as the paradox you're talking about, mm-hmm. but it, it's the state of tension that occurs when a person holds two ideas, attitudes, beliefs, or opinions that are psychologically inconsistent with each other. And usually that's used in a negative way. Whereas paradox is straddling the tension of two conflicting elements and recognizing they can both be true. Mm. So I think there's, I think we can enter this and go, this is a cognitive dissonance to think that I can be joyful and grieving at the same time. Yeah. So instead of going, that can't happen. I think we, you're right. We need to embrace the paradox of it and go, both of these are opposites and both of these are true at the same time. Yeah. Can we look at this first season without this family member and cry and grieve and feel this overwhelming loss and also go, but there's hope because Jesus came. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's easier to say than to practice, but I do think we don't, we want to just kind of push it aside because it's not maybe for, as a one it's not the right emotion or yeah. or it's for anybody there's reasons why that is we don't, have time, we don't have time for it. it yeah um so we don't cycle through the full emotion to come out the other side but what if we could stay in grief long enough mm. but also hold yeah to the eternal hope that we have uh what if we could stay in the financial stress and understand that this is not a forever but it is a real stressor today and hold that with this hope that also this isn't doesn't have to be my future just because it's my today or whatever it yeah. is that we're you know we're running out of time or we're trapped we were going to travel but be- someone got COVID or <laughs> a flight was canceled I mean there's so many things that just, just can naturally go wrong right. that aren't even emotional states but we have a response to that we have an emotional reaction to that and so to not just push that down and be like well we just have to be happy everyone just be happy everybody be grateful and yet not just sitting in that grief as though it's the only thing. This is such a really dumb example, but I, so my Kaylin, my seven-year-old, I was telling her the other day, the story about how when she was two um, and she was playing with the ornaments on the Christmas tree after a hundred times of telling her, don't play with the ornaments on the Christmas tree, but she's two. Uh, the whole Christmas tree, which was small. We had a small tree back then, but the whole tree just fell. She was fine. She was not hurt at all, but some of the ornaments shattered. We had a hardwood floor. Um, and the whole, like the garlands were off, the lights were off. And she just kept sobbing, like, I broke Christmas. I broke Christmas. And I'm like, like kind of mad because she broke Christmas. Um, and also, <laughs> like, just, I told you not to. Do that. Also irritated because now I have to go clean this up. But like more than anything, I just kind of grabbed her and I let her cry. And then like, this isn't what Christmas is about. Like, mm-hmm. it's not about the tree falling and I can fix that. And so I, I don't know, like, there are so many things that break Christmas for us. <laughs> I just was thinking about not, the Grinch. It's not about the packages and bows. <laughs> if I knew the whole rhyme right now, I'd yeah. say it. <laughs> it's about the, whatever, the gathering. It's about the love. It's about the joy. It's about Emmanuel. It's mm-hmm. about, so I, I don't know. There are so many things when our expectations fall short and all of a sudden Christmas is broken, but is that what it's about? And this is sounding like a cheesy, like Amy Grant song or something right now, but <laughs> it really is. I don't know. I think you're right. When we can turn to an attitude of worship, we talked about like how gratitude is such an antidote for envy and resentment. 
a few weeks ago. Yeah. Gratitude's really an antidote for almost oh, anything. Almost anything. <laughs> Do you have to be grateful for loss? No, but hold it. Hold the loss yeah. with the paradox of the fact that there are things to still be grateful for and that there, there is a place where we can have hope and worship and see beyond our current circumstance. Because the truth is, and, it's, and I would never say this to someone as a platitude, but just from living only the 45 years I've lived. <laughs> Good job. You got your age right. <laughs> no matter how hard something seems, that does not last forever. Yeah. And some things are really, really hard. And those seasons can be really long, but I do know that I'm not in the same season forever. Yeah. And I've loved, I've lived a lot of different seasons and some of, even the, the sad part of that truth is that even the best seasons don't last forever. Right. Unfortunately, time keeps going. Um, so there is that paradox too. Like this is the best day ever. So tomorrow's going to suck. And like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like kind of foreboding, wow, like me. foreboding joy, <laughs> but regardless, the truth is whether it's really great or it's awful, terrible, tragic, the season won't last forever. And so do what you need to do in this season to process through healthily, because the effects of this season could last forever in yeah. what you do in your body. If you don't handle grief, well, if you don't handle loss, well, if you don't handle just the little disappointments of breaking Christmas, well, because you have enough of those little things and those stressors build up and do cause sickness and do cause, um, I mean, mental health issues at the very least depression or anxiety. And so we want to, we want to treat ourselves well. So treat your body well this season and be, give yourself permission to hold on to the paradox that what sucks on one side is, <laughs> is outweighed by truth and hope and light and love on the other. Um, there's a Chris Tomlin Christmas song that I love called Hallowood Manger Ground. Ooh, do you know that one? I don't know if I do. It's, uh, it's one of my favorite. Christmas albums um, but that song it just talks about like for 400 years he couldn't be found and there was a 400 year not to go all old testament theology on you guys but there was a 400 year period where no prophets were talking and the voice of God wasn't heard mm. for the Hebrew people right the Israelites but yeah. they knew there was a promise of a messiah and it was broken by a baby's cry that's the lyric in the song Ooh, like 400 like years of silence broken by a baby's cry and so if you're in a period where you feel like God's just been absent where you've been in the silence well we're entering the season with the baby cry now where there's just hope hope has come hope is here so good merry christmas <laughs>